All right. Welcome to Stock Gamblers from Hershey, Pennsylvania. I am George Howell. And from Wallingford, Pennsylvania, I am Chris Carbonara. With us, we have a special guest, James Oliva. What's going Ooh. on? Nothing much. I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Uh, hey, I'm James. I live in New York. Uh, I do music stuff. I uh, used to do a lot of events, live events. Uh, I just like uh, making things and doing strange, fun things with my friends. So, and that's what brought me here today. So, there you go. Awesome, awesome. Where uh, where can people find your band and your music stuff? Uh, best place to check that out would be moderngrievance.com. That's the record label my friend and I have. Uh, and then for crazy stories and hilarious me hilariously yelling at my friends, that'd be the totally legitimate business podcast. Uh, check that out on YouTube and, uh, Instagram, totally legitimate business. The totally legitimate business podcast is actually excellent. I do highly recommend everyone listen to that. That is highly entertaining. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, uh, did you guys watch the Super Bowl? Of course I did. Really? (laughs) I guess am I the only sport sports guy here? Uh, I watched it. I I'm not even a sports guy per se, but I watched it. I got drunk and ate a lot of smoked meat, <laughs> smoked some ribs, smoked some pork roast, smoked some Cajun wings, and then I smoked some. And then let's yeah. say my work is very compassionate where it's a school, but every Super Bowl Monday they have an in-service day, so there's no students around. So you just kind of all walk in like this. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, but uh, – you know, it was. I thought it was a boring one personally. Um, I got to drink good beer though. I had a, one of my best buddies as a um, brewmaster at Locust Lane over in Malvern, Pennsylvania. So he brought over all these different the good stuff. Of, I mean, he did the IPAs. I'm not a big IPA, but he had a couple, um, a couple different Pilsner types. Brought a couple ales. Cool. Then he brought some. He always brings a couple that he buys from stores that he thinks he brought a Czech. The Czechoslovakian Pilsner, which nice. was nice. I love good Czech beer. Do you really? Because I didn't know it was a thing. I don't know if you're being serious. No, no, I do. Oh. That that's a good beer. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was really good. It was probably one of my favorite ones there. Uh, uh, tell me more. I didn't know Czech was a thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's like any other region, just uh, their own distinct style, like a kind of like a Belgian, but not, mm-hmm. but but different. Yeah, just uh, yeah, big fan. I um, I thought for sure when Trump was in office and he was talking a good game about making an extra holiday mm-hmm. that he would have done the Super Bowl Monday. Mm-hmm. And if he would have, I think he probably would have gotten a second term. But he <laughs> he kept talking about making another holiday and then never delivered. That would have been, I think that would have been, that would have united us all. That would have unified the country, I think. That would have been the most American thing of all time. It would, it would have. It would have. I agree. I don't, but I, I guess, how seriously do they take football in Europe? Do they, is there any like national holidays associated football? with? We mean actual European. Yeah, like football? like football. Yeah. Oh, for yeah, for for Must. soccer, definitely. I don't know if there are any holidays for it, but they they do take that pretty seriously, and and they're starting to take American football a little more seriously yeah. too. That, that's definitely Just an emerging as, market. Yeah, we're we're trying to do the same thing with soccer. We have been for a while. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah, I wonder if they did it, I wouldn't feel so bad about it if we did it. Just saying. <laughs> if they have a holiday, then I don't really give a shit if America has a holiday. You we deserve one. <laughs> do, you, do you guys want to talk about the game at all or uh, no? I mean, uh, it was the Taylor Swift Bowl. Um, <laughs> 
I don't care either way. I, it doesn't bother me one way or the other. I, I just I let I just like to sit and observe the people on the one side and the people on the other side. You know, they're fighting over this thing. I'm just like I don't care. Right. You know, <laughs> I'm I'm a I'm a Jason Kelsey guy, so uh, you know that's fine. Um, I, it was amusing watching people lose their shit over uh, a girl at the Super Bowl. Yeah, <laughs> I could care either way. It was weeks. It was weeks of news coverage. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Not only that, but you're going to be hearing about it now for the next few weeks. You're going to be hearing about what she wore at the Super Bowl, what she wore after the Super Bowl. Between that and the Grammy. It's just like, like, God damn. like she's the first rich person to show up to a football game. Jack Nicholson is pissed. Nah, I'm sure he put in a I lot just, of good years on the sideline of the Lakers. Yep, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Him and Spike Lee. Yeah. No, like it's, it's, it's not that. I don't really care. I don't know why people are so pissed off at it. It it's it was just an unnecessary distraction. But yeah. I guess that's what entertainment is, an unnecessary distraction, right? Well, yeah, it's not like she it's not like she kneeled during the national anthem or anything. Right. Yeah. That now that would have been something to see. That would have been a spectacle. <laughs> for sure. That definitely would have been on the news for weeks. Continued <laughs> after. Absolutely. But it's it's also really funny too. It's like the the people at the spectacle are mad that there's a spectacle at the spectacle i don't know for me it just doesn't make sense it's like you're 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 yeah i don't know what weeks uh, of uh, news it took up weeks of news i know i know uh what do you say other than duh yeah, all we, i guess all yeah. we can do is move on let's <laughs> All right. To recap, on February 13th, 2024, the U.S. stock market presented a mixed performance as investors eagerly awaited the first major inflation update of the year, along with a new wave of earnings reports. The S&P 500 slightly dipped after reaching a historic milestone in the previous session by closing above 5,000 for the first time, while the Dow Jones Industrial Average rose by 0.3%, hitting a new record. Conversely, the NASDAQ experienced a slight decline of 0.3%. Notably, shares of NVIDIA and British semiconductor company Arm surged, hitting new records, reflecting the market's positive reception to better-than-expected corporate outcomes, particularly from major tech firms. Carbo. Georgia. You. Yes? Uh, you can move on to the next one. I got bored. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you don't want any sparkling commentary on your article? Okay. Oh, if you want to, if you want to, well, I mean, you you bring up a good point that everything is hitting new record highs, and then uh, it's dropping immediately after. So and then dropping, yeah. Any? Uh, hey, you know what? I love how that market does that. Explain that to me again. It goes up and it goes down. Right. Right. Yeah. It, yeah, it goes buy up. When it's high. Right. Yeah. yeah right. And then yep. and then it goes down. It goes up and you buy. And then it goes down and it'll lose your pants. Right, right. Right. So now the Federal Reserve Bank of New York's uh, report reveals millennials, particularly those in their 30s, are increasingly struggling with credit card debt, with total balances reaching a record of $1.13 trillion in the fourth quarter of 2023. The situation worsens as the federal student loan payment resumes, contributing to higher financial stress. The report also notes a significant rise in the 90-day delinquency rate, particularly among younger millennials and lower-income households. High credit card interest rates exacerbate the problem, though. There's hope as some issuers may lower rates to attract new customers. 
James, are you a millennial? Do you have any credit card debt? I am, and I do. (laughs) (laughs) I sure do. Is it over Uh, 10,000? It's a lot. It's a lot. (laughs) None of it's student loan debt, which is fortunate. I was fortunate enough to craftily navigate that situation, but uh, I still do have some credit card debt, but it's fine. It is what it is. I also, like, I also am, was old enough to recognize in order to get a good credit score, I have to have credit and I have to have debt and it hurt the first couple years that I was carrying that debt but Mm. now my credit score is ridiculous just because I've made so many payments on time and I have so many open lines of credit so it ultimately ended up being in my benefit but like that's uh that's a whole different thing like they never taught me that in school i to yeah like my dad had to teach me some shit i had to learn a bunch of shit myself before i understood how that system worked that whole system is as you guys are aware it's a whole fucking thing do you know how many boring hours i had to put into listening to clark howard's podcast to learn about (laughs) good money management skills (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's you know it's interesting too I, i would also say a lot of people in my generation don't have savings and that can that's for a number of reasons maybe it's lattes maybe it's you know not high enough paying jobs or jobs with benefits having to cover a lot of -of out-of-pocket costs but um i don't know that's interesting anyways moving on microsoft has become the most valuable company in history closing this week with a market capitalization of 3.125 trillion surpassing the previous record of 3.09 trillion set by apple in july this achievement marks Microsoft as the first U.S. company to exceed a market cap of $3.1 trillion. The stock's impressive 60% surge over the past 12 months is largely attributed to the excitement surrounding its artificial intelligence software. Following a recent report of quarterly review and profit that exceeded Wall Street's expectations, Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella highlighted the company's successful integration of AI across its technology stack leading to new customer acquisitions and productivity gains across various sectors. So is that saying AI is helping them get to this point? Okay. So Absolutely. Yeah. Not their, only... their investment in open mm-hmm. AI, owning 49% of the company, and then adding it to Office and everything else that they have has definitely bolstered wow. all their stock. They, they Interesting. Were, they were doing well before and buying Activision Blizzard King. Uh, well, but helped. if you have AI optimizing how your business is run and when you own the best ai that's intense okay yeah and i'm <laughs> i'm lucky that i owned a couple of shares of microsoft before before it went nuts but well i'm no. glad I, I know that my three shares that i bought are what tipped it over the scale of it. so I, <laughs> I personally contributed to that record so thank you you're welcome good work we did it we did it oh here we go back to taylor swift we have music today. I'm confused. <laughs> the Taylor Swift effect on the Super Bowl, particularly the viewership of CBS's Super Bowl 48, is that 48 telecast, yeah. has sparked debate about its magnitude. Swift's presence as she cheered on Bo, Travis Kelsey, and the Kansas City Chiefs has undeniably highlighted interest in the NFL, attracting a new wave of fans to professional football. A flash survey by consumer research form Numerator revealed that 20% of Super Bowl viewers rooted for the Chiefs due to Kelsey's relationship with Swift. (laughs) Overall, 48% of surveyed viewers supported the Chiefs, 
while 37% favored the 49ers. However, Swift's influence has also divided NFL fans, with some concerning considering her a distraction. The survey indicated that 34% of respondents agreed that Swift was a distraction, while 34% disagreed, a perfect division. Wow. Numerator's survey also found that 81% of viewers paid attention to the game, with 82% watching the halftime show. Additionally, respondents highlighted their favorite and least favorite Super Bowl commercials, with spots featuring celebrities like Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, and Jennifer Lopez among the most favored. What I, the, the, the stat they didn't show is how many people because of Taylor Swift, wanted the 49ers to win. That's what they didn't show. That one. I'm yeah. curious about that one. There's got to be somebody out there that was like, I used to like those damn Chiefs until that girl took over. There's a whole lot of spite there. I'm sure that there that is, number yeah. is pretty big. Now, Larry David could probably do a nice uh, article, <laughs> nice thing on spite with that one. Probably, yeah. I I did make a bet as to whether or not she would be at the game. I can't remember if I won or not. I was a little drunk. But uh, of course she would be at the game, right? Yeah. <laughs> there was a chance she could miss it. She was flying in from Japan. True, true, true. Speaking of that, Taylor Swift's presence at Super Bowl 53 in Las Vegas, marking her 13th NFL game attendance since publicly announcing her relationship with Kansas City Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey has significantly impacted the event's commercial value. Garnering 53 seconds of airtime, Swift's appearance was estimated to be worth approximately $12.4 million based on the $7 million cost for a 30-second commercial slot during the game. This valuation underscores the immense value of celebrity endorsements in high-profile events. That's true, especially when compared to the hefty fees companies have historically paid for similar star power, such as Verizon's $30 million deal with Beyonce. Swift's attendance not only offered a considerable bargain for the NFL and CBS, considering she attended the game for free, but also potentially contributed to a surge in viewership. Of course, industry predictions hinted at a record-breaking audience for this year's Super Bowl, partially fueled by Swift's widespread popularity. Preliminary data suggested a significant viewership intent among younger, younger demographics, with a Seton Hall sports poll indicating that 21% of respondents Watch the Super Bowl in anticipation of Swift's appearance. Wow. The figure that rose to 41% among those aged 18 to 34. This phenomenon illustrates the powerful drawl of celebrity involvement in enhancing event profiles and engaging broader audiences. Do they have any data on how much credit card debt those viewers have from watching the Super Bowl? <laughs> or from buying her music, buying her records. <laughs> right. Right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Can't we buy music anymore other than downloading it? I don't even know. No, well, she, but she wow. did just re-record her whole catalog and yes. release it. So now that's crazy I'm, that she actually did that. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she she was up against like in terms of how to how does she actually make the money? Right. All the money that's being generated off Taylor Swift. How does she make sure she makes that money is by doing what she did. But more power to her. But it was a spite move. It's a spite store move. Even better. He did it to devalue her previous back catalog so that the people that bought it without even giving her a chance to buy it would, would lose the value in it. So I, I like her even more. I, I think that is brilliant that if they're going to screw her out of her music rights, that she's just going to make it worthless. Uh, uh, actually, hometown girl. you know, we'll give Taylor Swift some credit, but it was Kelly Clarkson's idea. Fair? Just saying. Kelly Clarkson told Kelly Taylor Clarkson. Swift to do that. So Kelly Clarkson is the architect of this genius scheme. So I do love Kelly Clarkson, not because of her music, which is, is fine, 
but Kelly Clarkson is my birthday buddy. As in, we were we were born on exactly the same day, not just like oh, same, same birthday. We were born on exactly the same day, same year, and everything. So you're like my degree of separation between Kelly Clarkson and me. Oh, I like that. <laughs> One step away. Yeah, seriously, that's a, the shortest game of six degrees of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> uh, Donald Trump launched a verbal attack on pop singer Taylor Swift just hours before she attended the Super Bowl to support her boyfriend, Travis Kelsey, playing for the Kansas City Chiefs. Trump criticized Swift for potential disloyalty over fears she might endorse President Joe Biden and his role in her success, citing his involvement in the Music Modernization Act. He asserted Biden's lack of contribution to Swift's success and criticized her potential endorsement of Biden as disloyalty to him. Trump also expressed a liking for Swift's boyfriend, Travis, despite their likely differing political views. That well, whole you, conspiracy, that is, shit is hilariously it unhinged. Is. It is. It's hilariously unhinged. But Biden did do backup on Taylor's last album. So, I mean, Trump's yeah, right. Like, yeah, for sure. You can hear him in the background. He's going, Ugh. Yeah. Where am I? Yeah. yeah. You look but, like my granddaughter. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, don't let him in there. Uh <laughs> that's it's it's just so funny that but that conspiracy was just so unhinged. It's like people had to they're like and there's always I'm into the conspiracy scene. Like they have a conspiracy about every Super Bowl. Like the ceremony around every yeah, Super Bowl. Right. Some nut out there is like analyzing every fucking detail. Every halftime but show. Every ever, ever. Gate. Yeah, yeah it, it, that's just, uh, that has been a thing for a while. But this added on top of that is just so, <laughs> it's so weird. It's like when, QAnon. When the president yeah, yeah, gets really. involved <laughs> over, over someone attending. Yeah. Excellent, yes. It, but it's like, it's a, her just going to the game is like this massive conspiracy to control the population. And like, Okay, in like the abstract sense, it is. We just read the stats. Like her being there makes more people watch and right. more people being engaged with whatever agenda the NFL is selling. We just read the stats on that. So like, you know, abstract, that is true. But to think like Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift and Joe Biden are like on conference calls, like <laughs> how do we corner this election? It's just it's, it's so fucking funny. How am I going to win the election? Get me T Swift. Yeah, exactly. We we need the voice of the generation. <laughs> it's almost like a Simpsons. I could see the Simpsons doing this. Ab absolutely. Like, this is the one time they didn't predict yeah. this future. Exactly. We, right? the to it. That's the one I was thinking of. That's exactly. Thinking of. Right. That was the episode. Index funds have provided long-term investors with solid returns due to low fees and difficulty and difficulty active managers face in outperforming them. However, for those seeking to select individual stocks, focusing on companies with strong financial performance over long term can be a starting point for research. Factors such as companies' return on invested capital can offer insights into its operational efficiency and potential for good stock performance with a 20-year analysis highlighting top performers in the S&P 500 based on ROIC and market returns. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> Stocks have shown unusual volatility after earnings reports with average post-earning movements outpacing historical averages, driven by heightened investor sensitivity to economic and interest rate uncertainties. 
This trend observed even in major companies suggests the options market may have underestimated the potential for significant stock reactions. The concurrent rise in the S&P 500 and the VIX, similar to patterns seen before previous pullbacks, hint at the possibility of a market correction through a significant downturn is not universally anticipated. So basically, what I'm gathering from that is everybody expected with all these companies announcing great earnings that their stocks would go up and everybody went down. That's pretty much the same old I'm, song and dance. You might you might make money, you might lose money. Who knows? Right, exactly, right. <laughs> oh, you gave me the crypto one. Perfect. This is perfect. Bitcoin's recent surge above fifty thousand, the first since December twenty twenty one has sparked a rally in crypto-related stocks and funds, driven by strong demand for spot Bitcoin ETFs. Despite this uptick, Bitcoin remains below its all-time high, indicating the market's continuing volatility and the influence of both spot market demand and geopolitical uncertainties on investor behavior. Analysts are optimistic, forecasting significant future increases in Bitcoin's value, with expectations of reaching up to 350000 by mid. Where did they just say numbers? They're like, yeah, Bitcoin's going to be a million dollars. Uh, highlighting the crypto's potential as a store of value asset amidst global financial uncertainties. I'm going to have a swimming pool full of ones and zeros. Seriously, it's just, it's so, these, these fucking people. These, <laughs> the, the crypto guys are the worst, too, because, like, the, the Wall Street douchebags, they're one thing. But the crypto guys, they're just... They like they live in a different world. I mean, both of them are bros, and both of them are drinking really shitty white beer. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Yeah, I, I don't get it, man. I, I just like sure if you're if you're telling me that it's like currency trading, like you know you're making money on exchanging U.S. and Canadian dollars when when they dip. I, I I'll get on board, but like cryptocurrency is nothing it is literally nothing literally right yeah oh let me get some nfts too while i'm at it <laughs> yes yes yeah, it's it's, it's it, that's it, the material it's, version that's the it's still not material but still <laughs> i i would consider buying an nft of goatsy <laughs> never mind that don't tell your children <laughs> inside jokes all right i see what you guys are doing okay uh 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 yeah, I the they're fucking it's it literally is nothing. There are some that are backed with actual commodity, but like with all the scams that have been all of the things that have come out with crypto now, like crypto has to do a lot of damage control in terms of its just baseline reputation. And what I think we can save this for later, but what I think they're going to have to do is Bitcoin might serve as an easy international currency for a while. Ultimately, the thing that we're going to get from crypto is blockchain. Everything is going to Absolutely. integrate with a blockchain. And that's the the underlying technology that does have value. Right. That that really, you know, that really is representative of what crypto is supposed to be. Uh but there's just so many scams. It's just and then you have dickheads out here being like, it's gonna be three hundred and fifty thousand dollars next week. I'm just gonna make a number up. Pick a number out of my out of my mind. <laughs> Anyways, we can move on. Tennessee portfolio manager Ryan Kelly simplifies stock investment with a seven-part screening focusing on mid-cap stocks. His strategy emphasizing price-to-sale ratios, earnings momentum, and stock performance outperforms market averages by targeting undervalued companies poised for growth. Kelly's approach illustrates the effectiveness of simple, disciplined investment strategies 
and achieving long-term success in the stock market, just like everybody else. I was going to say just like us. <laughs> exactly. The discipline that I show every week, getting my things done, getting my stuff traded at the end of each show, you know, for the next week. I'm on, I'm on time. I got a few bucks. Where's the smartest place for me to put it? Yep. Uh, roll it up in a ball and throw it out in the street. That's pretty much uh, what I do. <laughs> Jeff Bezos sold $2 billion in Amazon stocks recently, but this doesn't necessarily signal a cue for investors to sell their shares. The sale was part of a prearranged trading plan, allowing for up to 50 million shares to be sold by late January 2025, marking his first sale since 2021. Despite these transactions, historical data suggests Bezos' sales haven't been reliable indicators of Amazon's stock performance, and he still owns a significant portion of Amazon's shares. Even Jeff Bezos doesn't know how to play the market. Uh, unless he has more um, alimony to pay or something. I mean, Could be. Could be. I want to. I want to know what he needs that two billion dollars for. That's what I want to know. Yeah, is he buying an island somewhere? Oh, well, he already bought places in Miami. Yeah, it's probably a Bugatti. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows what he does? Uh, following Meta Platforms' lead, Alphabet <clears throat> and a uh, huh? What? Nothing. Okay. Alphabet and Amazon were, are anticipated to initiate their first ever dividends in 2024, as per Goldman Sachs analysts. This move is expected to cater to the growing interest of income-seeking investors in dividend-paying stocks, leading Goldman to uplift its S&P 500 dividend forecast. <clears throat> the trend uh, reflects companies' robust earnings performance in late 2023, with an emphasis on those with wide profit margins, stable earnings, active buyback programs, and relatively low valuations likely to adopt or boost dividends. Everyone's trying to cash in, man. <laughs> That's true. NFL players such as those from San Francisco 49ers received postseason bonuses as per their collective bargaining agreement with amounts varying based on game outcomes. The average 2022 Wall Street bonus was $176,700 lower than the cumulative postseason bonus for a 49ers player. The bonuses for the NFL players are guaranteed and outlined in their agreement, contrasting with the market-dependent and often larger bonuses on Wall Street, highlighting the financial disparities between professional sports and finance industries. Uh, I don't know. Um, somebody who puts their body on the line, play after play like that in football, I think they deserve the money versus the stock, you know, bro out there basically screwing people over. Uh, that's what I'm gathering from this article. The market, uh, you know, the highlighting the financial disparities between professional sports and financial industries. I mean, I don't know what people deserve. Um, I mean. But your window of opportunity as a football player versus you know being an investment guy you get like 10 50 all oh, your alignment you probably only get about maybe 10 years tops you know for an for sure yeah and and especially after that that's a a lifetime of training for that moment um yeah i mean really it, it depends on what value you bring in overall if, right. if that sports guy is bringing in that much more money because of merchandise sales and viewership, then, then sure. He's worth more than some guy hawking pink slips. 
Investors are proactively securing their portfolios against potential market fluctuations due to the U.S. presidential election in November, with a noticeable increase in October futures for the volatility index, indicating a higher demand for hedges. This heightened demand suggests a wider range of market outcomes around the election, with historical patterns showing similar trends in previous elections. The early onset of this trend underscores the market's sensitivity to political events and policy uncertainties associated with election outcomes. Okay. Yeah, people do get really scared around this time. Yeah, they start to behave in all sorts of weird ways. Put your money in the mattress. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Gold. Uh, the Super I need gold. Yeah, no, I seriously. Gold. Do you like gold? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Ever seen the Norm MacDonald routine about that? No. Uh, commercials. Do you like gold? Do you know gold? He's like, yes. Daffy Duck taught me that when I was a kid. I, knew <laughs> I may be a devil, but I'm a greedy <laughs> little devil. <laughs> Amazing. Um, the, uh, the Super Bowl commercials this year were a mix of celebrity packed ads, nostalgic reunions, and some serious moments. High-profile brands utilize star power with notable appearances from Beyonce, Lionel Messi, and a multiple multitude of actors from beloved TV shows in various ads aiming to capture audience attention amidst the game's excitement. While humor and nostalgia predominantly characterize the ads, certain spots like those by the Foundation to Combat Anti-Semitism and He Gets Us campaign took a more serious approach, offering viewers a blend of entertainment and thoughtful messaging. Did you see any crypto commercials this year? <laughs> no, no. Was that oh, last God. year? Was it the Larry David? Was that last year? Oh, it was last year. Yeah, it was so that was so sick to watch. That was <laughs> that was a delicious. Like anything that Larry David touches, I'm just like, you go. <laughs> it, it was brilliant because he did it in without... the commercial. He said, "I'm not going to endorse it." That exactly, was the whole thing, yeah. is because he... Larry Dave, David doesn't endorse things, and right. then because it was actually a scam he made money for talking trash on it the yeah. most brilliant of all of them it's... it makes him untouchable man you know yeah seriously <laughs> a citigroup strategist suggests bond traders should consider the possibility of federal reserve hiking interest rates again challenging the prevailing market expectation of rate cuts this year the perspective emerges as inflation trends and the debate over the neutral interest rates level gain attention with historical parallels to 1998 when a brief easing cycle led to rate hikes. The strategist view highlights the complexity of predicting Fed actions, especially with the upcoming consumer price index report and its implications for inflation and monetary policy. Um, is there any way to really predict what the federal government is going to do? The opposite of whatever's <laughs> normal. The, the, but the Federal Reserve is not federal. That's not government. Right. This is some bank. Yeah, but they're, they're still guided by the federal government. I mean, the, the, they, they, they still have to follow policy. Yeah, no, no, sure. I, I just they're they're a shysty little group of bankers sitting in a room. <laughs> you know, they, I, they, there's been plenty of times in history where the the Fed has bent the federal government over the the barrel for one reason or another. But um, no, there's no way of predicting what they're going to do, and and you know, especially with how 
crazy shit has been since COVID, there's there's really no telling. True. January's job data showing 353,000 new positions may influence the Federal Reserve's rate decisions, <laughs> potentially delaying expected cuts. Wages grew 4.5% year over year, a factor the Fed watches closely to gauge inflation pressures. Despite some signs of slowing wage growth, concerns persist that strong labor market conditions could keep inflation above the Fed's target, complicating the paths back down to 2% inflation rate. In fact, what it was it just recently, 3.1 or 3.2%? They were hoping just for, right around three, yeah. They were hoping for 2.9, but I mean, it's still good. It's still better than it was. It's trending downward. So, but this just cracks us up. I know James, you weren't here with us uh, the last few weeks, but we've been talking about these rate cuts. Like every week, it's like Jerome Powell's like, maybe I will. Yeah, right. maybe I won't. You know, and it's just every every week, it just seems to be a different song and dance. It's, it's part of me is like they're just seeing what'll happen with the market. Yeah. Oh, George well, was saying he's playing the market. You know, just, <laughs> I, well, I think yeah, short everything, short honestly, everything. That's, that's a whole conversation. Uh, we'll probably save it for the after, but my yeah. new investment strategy has been follow the congressman. <laughs> and that's a good one. it's pretty good. Not going to lie. Mm -hmm. Where do you, I'm, I'll put that in Patreon listeners. We are going to talk about follow the congressman and where James gets all his information. Yeah, there's uh it's actually it's TikTok. There's a number of pages, but there's a number of pages that will just flag. I think there's a website too, like an actual website that cuz all that shit we'll save it. We'll save this. This this is a whole thing I do want to talk to you guys. Pay the $5 and you'll get to hear what we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. See? See? Pigate. Uh, Arms Holdings shares have surged over 80% in the past three trading seasons, significantly boosting its market valuation and benefiting its majority owner, SoftBank Group. Following a strong earnings report that exceeded expectations, Arms market capitalization now exceeds SoftBank's own. Despite speculation of a short squeeze, analysts suggest the rally is driven by long buyers, not short sellers, covering positions. Arms' future, including SoftBank's plans for its stake, remains a topic of interest among investors. I no longer invest in anything that SoftBank holds. <laughs> I, I'm sure Arm will do well, but SoftBank is just like one bust after another with like uh, what WeWork and uh, okay. uh, what were some of the other stinkers? They've had a bunch, but... Uh, Timu, part of PDD Holdings, which rivals Alibaba in China, made a significant advertising investment during the Super Bowl to promote its budget-friendly online retail platform in the U.S., showcasing its aggressive marketing strategy. Timu's substantial ad spend aimed to rival Amazon and affect brick-and-mortar discount stores underscores its rapid growth and competitive threat to established retailers. PDD's success in China with Pindudu now reflected in Timu's push in the U.S. highlights the company's ambition to dominate the global e-commerce market. Uh, the, I, can't, I can't get away from Timu. It's everywhere. Are, are you so? Are you serious or are you making a joke? Okay, no, I'm serious. I, 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 every ad, like on Facebook, on every every ad is Timu this, Timu that, Timu that, and I used to think of it. It was like almost like a wish. Do you remember wish a few years ago? Yeah. Where if you're buying something that's like a chair, it shows up and it's like this big, you know, yeah, so right. I thought Nemo was kind of like that, but I mean, the, the, the product line is everything. I mean, so I, 
I never know what's real and what's not, like what are real fads and what aren't, because in the tech industry, Timu has been something that has been trending for a while. So mm-hmm. I've been hearing stories about it for a bit, but seeing it on the Super Bowl commercials, like, wow, that that's a real thing. People actually care about this. Um, mm-hmm. Rumors are that they use a lot of slave labor oh, yeah. to make all their, yeah, their merchandise. 100%. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I I guess people are using it now. That's weird. I mean, I almost did a few times. I had to like stop myself because, oh man, I really need this. This price is great. Wait a second. First of all, it'll take you three weeks to get there. You know, it's from China. Right. And you never know what it's going to be. It, it, may be. it may be exactly what you ordered, but chances are it's going to be not quite what you ordered yeah you know? my my problem is i still don't trust it like if i order through amazon or walmart and it comes up screwed up or doesn't get to me there there's a way to get my oh, money back exactly a chinese-owned mm. company buying merchandise through i i just don't trust them to give me my money back and they won't because i've i've had it happen with wish yeah, they, okay. they don't have to right exactly right it's like you, you call the number or you send the email and, and they good just, luck they <laughs> say pretty much you got what you got what we sent you yeah, I, I got you, you American swine. No, no, no. They, they, they actually try to spin it like, no, no, no. That's what you, that's what you ordered. You paid for that. <laughs> it ain't right. Yeah. Yeah, you ordered a dollhouse chair, idiot. Exactly right. Given the current economic climate with fluctuating interest rates and market uncertainties, dividend stocks present a viable option for investors looking for value and income. These stocks offering yields between 3 and 6% stand out in sectors like utilities, real estate, healthcare, and energy, which have not participated much in the recent market rally. With potential for dividend growth and favorable tax treatment, these investments offer an attractive mix of income and opportunity for equity appreciation, making them prudent choices in the higher for longer rate environment. I'm a love me dividend stocks. Me too. I just got, I think MasterCard, but it was a whole 25 cents. I got, woo. (laughs) We invest that quarter in there. Well, like I said, it's like I set it and forget it. I just, as long as I reinvest everything, I just let it go. Let it go. I do that. My problem has been, I I love stocks that pay monthly dividends and and a lot of them are Canadian. Mm -hmm. And I've got a few that have been holding on strong, but I get so many of them where I get a really good monthly dividend stock and it pays really well. And then they get bought up and become quarterly and they drop the dividend dividends on it. I think that happened with the one you recommended to me. Probably one of them. HTXT something or other. I forget what that oh, is. Oh, no. Hugoton Royalty yes. Trust had to stop paying dividends again because right. their sales fell. <laughs> Got him good. Yep. <laughs> screw uh, that guy. Yeah, screw that guy. Uh, the shift from mutual funds to ETFs is challenging asset managers, prompting them to develop ETF share classes for mutual funds to retain investors. This innovation could benefit both high-performing index funds and their investors through lower costs and tax efficiency, but may not improve the prospects of underperforming active funds. The concept, while potentially advantageous in reducing trading costs and improving tax outcomes, requires careful consideration of its implications including daily disclosure requirements that could lead to front-running risks. Good to know. Interesting, yeah. Diamondback Energy and Endeavor Energy Resources are merging to form an an oil and gas company valued at over $50 billion, driven by higher oil prices and a desire for prime acreage in the Permian Basin in Texas. The deal valued at around $26 billion positions the combined entity as a leading player in the U.S.'s largest oil patch, 
with Diamondback's shareholders owning the majority. This merger reflects an ongoing consolidation in the energy sector, influenced by significant transactions like ExxonMobil and Chevron's recent acquisitions, highlighting the industry's resilience and strategic moves to capitalize on valuable resources and growth opportunities. Fossil fuels aren't dead yet. They're just like put a stake in them and they keep coming back, you know? Over and over. Big though, not just like, not just surviving, like thriving. Michelin reported nearly flat earnings for 2023 with a net profit of 1.98 billion pounds. Is that pounds? Slightly down from 2 billion the previous year and announced a share buyback program of up to 1 billion pounds over 2024 to 2026. Despite a slight decline in sales to 28.34 billion pounds, the company's strategic pricing and product mix helped offset challenging market conditions. For 2024, Michelin aims for over 3.5 billion pounds in operating income and more than 1.5 billion in cash flow alongside an 8% increase in its dividend to 1.35. Wow, 8% increase. Might be a good one for a pick. Might be. Hint, hint. Yeah, people are always going to need tires. Uh, Disney, Fox, and Warner Brothers Discovery have announced a new streaming service. Jesus Christ, another one. Combining their live sports programming, aiming to adapt to the streaming economy amidst declining cable TV subscriptions. This venture, which was not initially discussed with major partners like the NFL, seeks to offer an alternative to traditional cable packages by bundling various sports channels into one streaming platform. Despite potential benefits, the service faces challenges such as incomplete sports coverage and potential regulatory scrutiny due to its consolidation of a significant portion of the U.S. sports rights. We covered this one last week. They were they were merging to create a super sports channel. Yeah. And immediately after our show, uh, the NFL came back. Oh, uh, we didn't hear anything about this. Damn. <laughs> That's it's right. so funny. Like all these businesses just decided to ah, make yeah, a decision, we have, right? We we have these rights. We don't need to talk to any of the other people about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that I mean, that is a great idea in terms of capitalizing on sports and streaming. Like that's the number one complaint I I feel like I hear from people about streaming over cable is sports. But that is going to be a fucking nightmare. It, it's going to be it's already a nightmare expensive. yeah there's, right and and there's what, no way that it won't be them getting all the licenses that'll be a whole fucking nightmare and then what they're going to charge people is going to be <laughs> ridiculous it's going to be it's going to be ridiculous i mean look at what sunday ticket costs on youtube tv it's like what 350 400 a year or something like Jeez, that for youtube right like and, and like I pay like $125 a year for MLB and I can't even watch my team play on it because of blackouts. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah it's from team. That's all. Yeah. Well, you can't watch your team, team either. Right. The impending boardroom battle at Walt Disney involving two activist hedge funds, Tryon Fund Management and Blackwell's Capital, against Disney's current strategy led by CEO Bob Iger is set to be the most expensive shareholder fight in history, potentially exceeding $70 million oh in cost. God. The conflict centers on differing visions for Disney's future, with proposals ranging from seeking a new successor to Iger, improving streaming margins, to exploring a company breakup. 
This proxy fight, significant for its high cost and involvement of a large number of individual investors, will also test the new universal proxy card system, allowing shareholders huh. more flexibility in voting. Interesting. I did vote on Disney today as a shareholder. Did you? And it was it was interesting. Uh, there were like, just off the top of my head, I'm going to say like 20 board members that you could vote for. And, and right. um you could only vote for 10 of them. You, you, you had to withhold the rest or, mm -hmm. you know, something like that. But it was, uh, it was crazy. I, I shook it up a little just because, but my, my couple of shares aren't going to mean anything. <laughs> Saab reported higher than expected earnings for the fourth quarter and announced a dividend increase amid rising global defense spending. The company saw a net profit increase, a significant rise in sales and order bookings that exceeded analyst predictions. Saab is accelerating investments to expand capacity and capabilities in response to heightened geopolitical and security concerns, expecting organic sales growth and operating income growth to outstrip sales growth in the coming years. Everybody's afraid of Putin. What is Saab's big thing now that they're like, what are they producing? Uh, I don't. I don't think they make planes anymore unless they're like cargo or I think or I want to say they? they still make plane engines. Right. Okay. Yeah, don't they make ballistics stuff as well? They yeah, they're it's actually they make a shocking amount of military industrial really products, yeah. Yeah. That's I really like why they're that's why they're as big as they're it's not the cars. The, right. The cars are yeah. great like that they're that is but they are only have they only have great cars cuz they make you know engines for tanks well that was a that was a separate company that spun off and then died but yeah you're you're right the the military industrial complex is definitely uh doing well hmm. yeah so the main focus of aircraft production is fighter aircraft saab has been making aircraft since the 1930s and the jet predecessors of the jas 39 gripen were the tunan the lanson the draken and the Viggen. The last civilian models made by Saab were made uh, in 2000. Okay, so still making military jets then. Yeah. Cool. It, at least the engines. I, I want to say I, I was I watched a video on that. Nice. Point, but... Oh, this is me. Okay. Uh, the recent turmoil surrounding Tesla CEO Elon Musk, including uh, legal rulings on his compensation package and allegations of board members feeling pressured to partake in illicit activities, has raised concerns among investors. Really? Despite Musk's past eccentricities being largely overlooked by investors, Tesla's stock has, been, has seen a significant decline this year. While some long-term investors remain optimistic about Tesla's potential, Others are awaiting improvements in key metrics, such as margins and full self-driving technology, before recommitting. The situation prompts questions about the unchecked behavior of Musk and its potential repercussions on Tesla's future trajectory, trajectory underscoring the necessity of internal challenges for sustainable innovation and growth. This is something that I feel like I've been saying for a minute. It's one thing if he was just making cars. This motherfucker is sending shit into space right well, but that can, one's a private company it, right but still the eccentricities he got away with so much for so long he's like kanye now he'll just do <laughs> but he's so entrenched like no one's getting rid of kanye he's too right. embedded in rap and hip-hop he's not going away elon musk is the same in in tech and now space and all these other you know major emerging sectors electric cars 
and like the motherfucker is gonna become unhinged. Like he's gonna be a Howard Hughes. He's gonna be a Howard Hughes, <laughs> and I don't want him in control of anything when he becomes Howard Hughes. Have you? So seen, you? I was, like, I was going to ask if either of you watched Succession on HBO. Of course, yeah. I have not. But... The um, I forget his name because I'm not thinking ahead of time. But the the guy that they were trying to get to buy the company, the, the Swedish guy. Oh yeah, yeah. The yeah. he would drop. He would. Yeah. Jordan, he would just basically he would drop acid and then text. Just throw out something on Instagram, and the stock would plunge. You know what I mean? Like every time he did acid or something, he would send out all these crazy tweets or something, and then the stocks would go up or all the way down. I'm like, I know they modeled it after him, but it's just funny how how volatile, like, you know, head of a company could just say something in a text or in a, in an Instagram, and, and then get banned by the SEC from yeah, doing it. But but he, he like he makes it. This is so stupid. Like in my opinion, what he's doing with SpaceX so, that's important work. What yeah, he's it's doing got, with it's Tesla. got government contracts. That's yeah. important work. It's important work. And like it shouldn't be hard to be a square ass CEO of a company like Tesla. Like that shouldn't and if you don't want to do it or you can't do it, like have I don't know. It's just I just hope he's not in control of anything when he becomes Howard Hughes. <sighs> Because I'm sure that motherfucker is already pissing in bottles and leaving it around his office. I'm sure of it. He said he was sleeping there. He said he slept there. Yeah, tissue boxes on his feet, right? So So, do you think, do you agree with the Delaware court's decision to uh, strike out that CEO compensation package? Was that the one that he was going to get more? He'll get more out of it? Oh yeah, he was going to get like what forty-seven billion dollars this year or something like that. It was oh, ridiculous. more so because they were doing it as a compensation and not as a salary. There was some like loophole. No, it, it, the suit came on because the the shareholders were saying that that money belonged to them. That it, it was an egregious amount of compensation for yeah. for one person when it belonged to the shareholders of the company. I agree with that. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, dude, like, how many billions do you need? I'm sorry. Oh, for, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not losing. I'm not shedding a single tear for a billionaire. Oh no! It, 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 it makes me happy. Yeah. I mean, like, it really. It really brings legitimate joy to me that Elon Musk isn't getting all of that money. But right. it, it does kind of um, irk me a little bit to think that that's a little bit of a, at least questionable, overreach on the government's part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't feel bad for him. I, I think that money does belong to the shareholders. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting uh, because the government let corporate greed get to where it is. Right. And unfortunately, they're going to be the only people. The corporations aren't going to do it. Right. Like it's, yeah. it's going to have I mean, to be the government is going to have to force the hand of corporations to give even just. To give money to their shareholders—that's the explicit purpose right. of the owners of the company. Control of the company. Yeah, right. yeah, right. Yeah, the, the fiduciary duty to give the money to money the to who the own shareholders. The company. That is yeah. the I whole purpose. Money to the shareholders when I can keep it for myself. Yeah, no, seriously. But and whatever. If he didn't have a billion dollars, and this was like the big payout he had been waiting for, whatever. Maybe I have a little more sympathy right. yeah, for yeah. him. But dude, no, sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry. Give that money. Those people have to put up with you, and that $47 billion is a small compensation for the shit that they've had to... Mm -hmm. Like, think, like you were saying with the price. Like, think about people who are reasonably putting money because they believe in Tesla, and they they believe in the technology, and they believe in, you know, advancing toward a sustainable future. 
and then some he fucking eats mushrooms and trips some dumb shit to, puts it on his you know texting platform that he bought because he wanted to be able to say whatever he wanted <laughs> I, I don't know it's howard hughes this is howard hughes shit yeah yeah well we'll have to come back and, and talk about this a little bit more in the in the post show all right there is a uh, compelling parallel between the economic sentiments of the 1960s and today's context emphasizing how despite positive economic indicators like a booming stock market job creation and declining inflation public optimism remains subdued it highlights the similarity in how economic prosperity and social unrest coexists in both eras influencing public perception and overshadowing economic achievements. The discussion extends to political parallels between Presidents Lyndon B. Johnson and Joe Biden, both of whom sought to leverage economic conditions to advance social reforms. It also underscores the persistent concerns over inflation and the potential for political and social unrest to shape the public mood, drawing on historic comparisons to suggest that today's economic and social challenges mirror those of the 1960s, affecting both consumer confidence and the broader societal outlook. I don't buy it. Well, if you lived through the 60s, you'd know. I did. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's a whole. It's, it's apples and oranges. Um, the all the positive economic indicators that are going on now are not being talked about because of all the other networks and all the other channels and all the other forms of media that are basically saying, we're still, it's still terrible. We're still in an inflation. This is still happening. That is still happening. We didn't have all that distraction back then. I mean, back then you had basically, you know, your, your normal newspapers and you had your three, six and 10, as far as your news. And they would never say if something was good, they would say it was good. If something was shitty, they would say it was shitty. They wouldn't try to spin it and do all that kind of crazy stuff. So that's a good that's point. Yeah, my soapbox. So. so are we moving on? Okay. Mazda Motor Corporation has reported a significant uptick in earnings and sales for the first three quarters of its fiscal year, showcasing the benefits of its cautious approach to the electric vehicle market. Despite not offering a pure EV in the U.S. and focusing instead on hybrids and plug-in hybrids, Mazda achieved record earnings of 200.2 billion yen, an 83% increase year over year, and a 17% increase in global sales volumes to 930,000 units. The company's strategy, highlighted by the planned introduction of several hybrid models and a goal to fully electrify its lineup Damn. by 2030, 2030, has led to its best sales year in America since 1994, despite criticisms for its slow pace towards electrification compared to rivals like GM, Ford, and Toyota. This approach has positioned Mazda as a deliberate player in the EV transition, focusing on meeting market demands and leveraging its strengths in the crossover utility vehicle segment. This is kind of surprising news because I remember a little while ago, uh, it was um, Mazda who was one of the few car companies that didn't even have a hybrid car planned. Mm -hmm. So they were definitely behind the eight ball on that one. Um, uh, good for them for turning it around, I guess. I, I guess maybe there's money to be made based on that. Based on the the hurry up and wait, let everybody else do it. And then, then put right. in, dip your, dip mean, your toe in. Look at all the problems that GM and Ford have had. 
Right. Like that's this has been a 20 year thing for them. Like mm-hmm. really since they have been toying with the idea of electric or hybrid cars. It's taken them a long time. Toyota was kind of ahead of the game, but I don't know. I never based on the cars that Mazda makes, I would consider that as a calculated effort to see what all the the other guys do. They're going to make a good car. It's Mazda. They're going to make a good car that will be usable anywhere and there will be parts for it cheaply available at any junkyard near you. Yep. Um so I, I I don't think they in, in any way were concerned about entering the fucking electronic car market. They make great cars. They're, you know, that's yeah, they, why there's an just, inter, international automobile company, you know. Yeah, they, they make good, affordable cars. And, and you're right. The, the billions of dollars that Ford has sunk into an autopilot program that they then canceled, uh, battery production plants, and then canceled... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm, you're, you're exactly right. Sometimes it doesn't pay to lead the way. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on to our game. Uh, Carbo, last week we both picked IBM. How'd you do? Um, not great. Yeah, we made a couple bucks on that. Not too much. All right, next one was Costco Wholesale. That one was also not great. Mm-hmm. Uh, lost some money on that. Um, don't pick what I picked. That, that's your secret. <laughs> you, uh, you did not pick next era energy and I forgot to add it to my portfolio, which saved me a little bit. That went down. Well, uh, yeah. 10... I actually, I picked up some next era a couple weeks ago. That was oh, did a you? congressman trade. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm just as a precursor, I'm long on energy. Any any company that a congressperson or senator is putting money into in the energy sector is a company that I would put money into. They something's coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, some big developments are coming for sure. Definitely agree. Uh, Ten cent holdings. Neither one of us did that one. Lost a little bit of money. And Bristol Myers Squibb Company. We did not do. Um, and that one has done what? That one has uh lost some money as well so we made a good pick there nice and now it's time for roll them dice the segment where we randomly pick five publicly traded companies and on a whim decide whether or not we would invest with them so starting off carbo ah. zotis inc I, I don't know what that is, so I'm going to say no. I have no idea. Uh, James, how about you? Are we not supposed to look up what these are? Uh, I mean, you look you're, it up, you're yells a guest. It. You can do whatever you want. Uh, 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 this company does look interesting, but I would be a no. Okay, what does the company do? I am going no as well. It looked uh, looked like they are involved in some kind of animal health, maybe animal health insurance, pet health insurance. Oh, people love their pets. They sure uh, do, but I don't trust it. Scam. So. Yeah, <laughs> don't, trust, it's, don't trust that at all. It's almost like all right. oh, we don't fix transmissions. We don't we don't do that for dogs. <laughs> Schneider Electric. It's electric. Um, we'll give. I'll say yes. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> I'm going yes. James? Yeah, I would go yes on that too. All right. I am uh, I'm going to say no. I I'm not going to gamble on that one. Plantair Technologies Inc. Negative. 
Uh, I know this company. Why do I know this company? Palantir. Um, you know, I, I'm going to say no just because of the connotation in my mind. I don't remember what this company does, but I have a negative connotation, so I'm going to say no. I am saying no. They are an American, uh, a public American company that specializes in software platforms for big data analytics, headquartered in Denver, Colorado. It was founded by Peter Peter Thiel. Yeah. Nathan Gettings. That's what I that's where I know that from. Joe Lonsdale, Stephen Cohen, and Alex Carp. Um it, so it's, it probably is a good investment, but I'm gonna say no on principle. So it, it's probably a good investment. I am not a fan of Peter Thiel, so yeah. you're you're correct. Keurig, Dr. Pepper Inc. Carbo. Mm, tough call. Tough call. I despise the Keurig coffee pods. They don't taste like coffee. They taste like something that was sitting next to a pot of coffee. Um, but I love and they that. go right in the landfill. Yeah, I'm gonna say no based on that. That little landfill set me over the edge. Nothing, nothing <laughs> like all that virgin plastic going right to the garbage. Yeah, there's no point in it. I mean, it's like yeah. a pot of coffee. What's so hard about that? Right. Yeah, you take the scoop and you go deep. But seriously, I, I've never had a cork that actually tasted good. It always tastes watery, like. It tastes like someone got well, a decent because, cup of coffee and then poured more water in. Yeah, it. right. You know? Coffee isn't supposed to be made in a pot. <laughs> that's, the, know, that's, yeah. that's why it tastes like that's water. Answer, sure. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say no. I do love Dr Pepper, but I'm gonna say I no. Love me some diet, oh. Dr Pepper. Hate Speaking the cure. that, I bought the no. Dr Pepper barbecue sauce. Do not buy that. Really? It was the Stubbs. I love Stubbs. I actually met Stubbs years ago. Stubbs okay. barbecue sauce is one of my favorite barbecue sauces. And I had three for whatever, three for Stubbs ten. Stubbs is good, yeah. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna try the Dr. Pepper. Don't do it. Really? Okay. Why? Why? Just terrible. tastes terrible. Terrible. I, I do like a Dr. Pepper barbecue sauce, but I've not I've had heard the that. Stubbs Dr. That's Pepper. That's what made me buy it. Sauce. It's because I've heard people doing that before. You can you can make any barbecue sauce from soda if you yeah. uh if you... i've had cola and yeah and yeah and coke and i've seen them people i've seen people marinate wings in colt and coke yep you know what i mean yep all right yeah all right good to know um fortunate inc we've done this one before and i yeah. still can't remember what they do uh they're a global a us-based company that's a leader in enterprise class cybersecurity and networking innovations that's uh, right are they owned by peter Thiel? that's a good question <laughs> i'm gonna say yeah okay yeah I, I would say yeah to this too this looks like a this looks like they get government contracts and i would also say yeah because i remember them doing well before all right Carbo, panhandle for us. Hey, stock gamblers, ready to up the ante on your investing journey? Join us on Patreon. As a patron, or as a patron, or as a patron, you'll get exclusive access to bonus episodes where we dive deeper into the risky, high-reward world of stock market gambling. But that's not all. You'll also be part of our close-knit community where we share extended shows and behind-the-scenes content and special guests. Plus, your support on Patreon helps us keep the podcast running and the investment ideas flowing. Don't miss out. Become a stock gambler's patron today. And let's ride that market roller coaster together. Patreon.com backslash stock gamblers. Hell yeah. 
All right, and that will bring us to our expert picks. Carbo, anything from the Fools? No, there was no pick this week from the Fools, and I forgot to put something in there. Back to you, George. All right, good to know. From Barron's, Mondelez International, known for brands like Oreo and Cadbury, is a solid investment, particularly due to its strong presence in emerging markets. Despite recent concerns over sales, volumes, and costs, the company's strategic pricing, global market positioning, and success hedging against commodity prices support its growth prospects. With consistent organic sales growth and a focus on ethical ethical supply chains, Mondela's robust balance sheets and dividend track record offer both growth potential and downside protections for investors. I am not that big a fan of Oreo, but I do like me some Cadbury. Mm. Mm-hmm. I love how it's taken up until this point to uh, to finally care about ethics when when sourcing supplies. Yeah. We didn't need to worry about that before, but now it's important. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Moving on to our picks. Carbo, Woo! what have you got for us? Oh, my first pick. I've been checking out Nike, believe it or not. Nike shares dropped over 40% from their 2021 highs, indicating investor skepticism amid the company's operational struggles and competitive pressures. Losing Tiger Woods didn't help. Despite these challenges, though, including flat sales growth and increased discounts signaling weakening brand marketability, I see potential in Nike strategic responses. The company is implementing a $2 billion cost-cutting strategy streamlining operations and capitalizing on direct sales and e-commerce growth with consumer confidence on the rise and Nike's strong brand equity. These efforts could pave way for the recovery analyst bullish outlooks and a 20% price target premium further support my view. Despite the short-term volatility, Nike's long-term prospects remain promising. So because of this, I'm going to go with Nike for my first pick risky. Yes, but a moron. I don't really know what the meaning of the word is, so I'll pick it right. Now, for my second pick, I totally just was um, under the gun and I kind of randomly did this. But my second pick, I'm going with Intact Financial. This Toronto-based insurance provider just announced today that they are raising their quarterly dividends by 10%. You know I love me some dividends. So this new number equates to basically a 2.3% dividend. Stock's been trending upward in the last year. So if you're looking for a decent dividend stock, Intact Financial may be your next buy. Nice. George, what are your picks? For me, I'm going to go with JetBlue. Their stock surged in the after-hours trading far, uh, the other day following Carl Icahn's disclosure of nearly 10% stake in the airline, signaling his belief in the stock's undervaluation and his interest in board representation. This development comes after a federal judge blocked JetBlue's proposed merger with Spirit Airlines, poising challenges to JetBlue's growth prospects. ICANN's engagement suggests potential strategic shifts ahead for JetBlue as it focuses on returning to profitability and missed operational reassessments. Can you imagine how horrible an airline to fly would be if JetBlue merged with Spirit Airlines? Would you want to be on that plane? Hell no. First to last. It'd go from first to last. I can't believe Carl Icahn is still around. Like This guy's been an activist (laughs) investor my entire life. My second pick, 
Ubisoft's shares surged after the company confirmed its fiscal 2024 targets, anticipating record sales driven by strong performances in the current quarter from titles like Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown, and Skull and Bones. Analysts at City found Ubisoft's optimistic outlook surprising, suggesting consensus forecasts might be significantly lower than achievable. Despite a year-over-year decline in net bookings for the quarter ending December 31st, results still exceeded targets, buoyed by successful releases, including Assassin's Creed Mirage and Avatar Frontiers of Pandora. I uh, I love me some video game stuff, but I, I never really anticipate for it to do well in stock. But for some reason, Ubisoft has that soft place in my heart. I, I there. That's a good one. I mean, I'm big also... on games, but Ubisoft for sure. They're gonna milk it. They're gonna try and get the money for their shareholders. <laughs> right. What were you gonna say, Carbo? Do they do um mobile phone games too? I, they might do a couple. I don't remember that many, but I thought they were transitioning to some games on platforms like that. I I think you're right on that, but don't quote me. Okay. James, do you have anything that uh, you have for picks, or it's okay if you don't? Uh, I I don't know. I I have recently just got into investing in stocks. I hadn't really put any money into stocks. I had it in different types of savings accounts, uh, and then crypto. But even crypto, like I never, I never put in a lot of money in the beginning. I put in a little bit, and it just so happened that it turned into what it turned into. But, um. Uh, you know what? You know what? Next Era Energy. Uh, I am feeling pretty good on that one. There's another couple energy sector investments. If I can pull these up quickly. Sweet God. Sorry, we're not live. Yeah, right. It's <laughs> great. It's perfect. We do this all the time, so it's... <laughs> I do it on mine, too. I'm just like, wait a minute. I'm I'm looking this up. I don't You might care. be all right on Next Era. They they lost their money. They, they're probably due for a comeback. Um, oh, my God. My... That is ridiculous. So, if you want James's picks, you're going to have to join us on the Patreon show. Yeah, that's seriously, seriously. I'll just find this in the meantime, but... So uh, thank you for listening, and we're going to play ourselves out on this Patreon edition. We are going to talk about crypto, follow the congressman, and maybe we'll talk about Super Bowl commercials or whatever other thought comes into our mind. Thank you for joining us on Stock Gamblers. Stock Gamblers is hosted, written, and produced by Chris Carbonara and George Howell. Special thanks to our guest, James Olivo. Visit him on the Totally Legitimate Business Podcast. Uh, special thanks also to our Patreon supporters like Don Riom. You make this show possible. To write us, you can email us at stockgamblershow at gmail.com. Little shout out there to Mr. Tony Lizzie. Yo, Tony, how you doing? You can find out more information about our show at stockgamblers.net, including where you can subscribe to our podcast and where you can provide a one-time donation or a two-time donation. If you find value in our show, please consider joining our Patreon for just $5 a month. Five just $5 a month. Five shimoleons, five drachmas. 
a cup of coffee for each of us. You can help support us and gain access to our bonus content, as well as test your stock skills by playing against us in our virtual stock market exchange. I will come back and beat George eventually. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Keep on gambling. See you later. Stock gamblers. Chris Carbonell and George. <laughs>